Hey, everybody. Welcome to the Eagle Naz Church Podcast. My name is Trevor, and I'm one of the pastors here at Eagle Naz. We hope that the next 30 minutes helps you grow in your relationship with Jesus and that you will see how God wants to move in your life. Thanks for listening. So I want to invite anybody who'd like to to come up and just uh, put your hands around this cactus and just push in really, really hard. Anybody? I'd even help you push. Anybody? No takers? Yeah, why would we want to have unnecessary pain in our lives? But when we harbor a heart of unforgiveness, when we refuse to let go of the pain for what people have done to us in the past, it's like grabbing onto the cactus and holding onto the pain. Uh, I got to ask you today uh, a couple questions. Wonder if anybody's ever hurt you. Well, that's kind of a silly question, isn't it? Of course they have. Has somebody really hurt you that you trusted and you just can't let them go? Anybody in business, uh, they, you were so sure that they would be a great partner that you just, you would have trusted them with the thousands on a handshake and they took advantage of you. They ran with your money and never looked back. Anybody been in a relationship with somebody and you just opened your heart? Maybe you were dating, engaged, married. They promised they'd stay with you forever and they left you brokenhearted. Any of you ever had something happen in your life where somebody intentionally took it to you? They said something to you about you that was half true, untrue, or true, but never needed to be shared, and it left you wounded deeply. I'm, I'm going to challenge you today. I, in fact, I'm going to ask you to do something that you probably, there's a good chance you walked in here and said, no, can't do it. You, you may have said this one, I'll forgive him, I'll forgive that, I'll forgive her, but this one, it's going to the grave with me. That'd be, that'd be a bad mistake. I, I, I want to challenge you, so, so here's the challenge. I want to challenge you to treat others better than they deserve. I, I'm going to challenge you to refuse to take revenge. I'm going to challenge you on the power of God's word to put evil out of circulation. I'm going to challenge you to make a decision to forgive other people on purpose because there's great freedom that comes to us when we forgive. I tell you... Um, I believe in justice for other people and mercy for me. Anybody know what I'm talking about? Isn't there something that in our heart aches for justice? After all, we, we, do, you, do you cringe when you see somebody that gets away with murder? Do you, uh, does it frustrate you when someone hurts someone that's little and they never get caught? Does something just see... I know it's true for me that, that I want justice for other people. I really do. I want justice for you. When, when, when you do something wrong, I want you to, get, you to get yours, but I want mercy for me. This is really, when I think about this, it's true with uh, police officers and driving habits. Anybody with me? 
So you ever been there in a situation where you're driving down the road and somebody cuts you off? Or they, they get right in front of you, they pass you, get in front of you, and they slow down. Or, or they, um, they're texting, driving on and off the road, completely oblivious to the fact that they could take somebody out in a minute and that somebody could be me. You ever had somebody that was just stupid in driving? The stupid driver, like just, when you just, but then there's that moment when the lights come on and you go, oh, and you go, is it fun now? You having a good time now? Buddy, you got yours. And it's just like rejoicing and happy. Love justice for other people. But when I'm driving along and I'm heading to work and, and the pedal's a little heavy and, and I'm going a little bit over the speed limit, you understand, I, you know, I'm still, and, and the lights go on, I'm like, oh, Jesus, would you influence the cop? Would you make sure that I get off? Would you make sure that he asked me what I do for a living so I could tell him that I'm a pastor? God, I'll never do it again in my whole life. Would you please? I love justice for other people. But when it's me, I want mercy. He knows how to take care of that in our life. And there was this guy who used to be named Saul. And when Jesus got a hold of him, he took his Roman name, which was Paul, and he used to be a Christian killer. He was of the Jewish religion, and he heard about a sect of people called Nazarenes who believed in a guy they called the Messiah, who was uh, Jesus, and they followed him, and he felt like they were a menace to society, so he went after them. He arrested them. He broke up their families. He jailed them. Any chance he got, he had them executed. And then he met Jesus face to face, and it transformed his life, and he was never the same. He writes this letter about the incredible power of God to change our lives so that we treat others better than they deserve. So that's going to be our challenge today, that God would do that impossible thing in our lives. Let's stand and look at Romans 12, 14 to 21. If you'd stand to your feet, and if you have your Bible, I invite you to take it out. Bless those who persecute you. Ah, that's a pretty good start. I, you ever want to scratch out partners who persecute you? I, you ever want to scratch out parts of the Bible? <laughs> Bless and do not curse them. Rejoice with those who rejoice and weep with those who weep and live in harmony with one another. Do not be haughty, but associate with the lowly. Never be wise in your own sight. Repay no one evil for evil, but give thought to what is honorable in the sight of all. If possible, so far as it depends on you, live peacefully with all. Beloved, never avenge yourselves, but leave it to the wrath of God. For it is written, vengeance is mine. I will repay, says the Lord. To the contrary, if your enemy is hungry, feed him. If he is thirsty, give him something to drink. For by so doing, you will heap burning coals on his head. Do not overcome evil. Do not be overcome by evil, but overcome evil 
with good. You may be seated. What a what an incredible statement there at the end. The Apostle Paul right away is going to talk to us by the power of God's word, and he's going to say, I, I want you to rule out revenge in your life. I want you to take it out of your vocabulary. No more harming people because they harmed me. No more talking badly about people because they talked badly about me. No taking advantage to other people because they hurt me in business. No getting them back because they got me. Out of the revenge cycle. Take it out of our vocabulary. It's not a way that we'll win. The, the word just says take it out of the, the way you do life. Why? Because one person said when we um, live with this eye for an eye and tooth for a tooth way of living, everybody ends up blind and toothless. It doesn't work. It perpetuates the cycle. We've all seen in history the Hatfield and the McCoy story, the, the revenge. Well, you hurt me, I'll hurt you. You hurt them, I'll hurt them also. And it just goes on until there's just a, a bloodbath of hurt and pain, and it just never seems to stop. Uh, he says, I, 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 he says I, I want you to, in fact, I want you to bless those who persecute you. This wasn't theoretical for People in first century, this was real. I want you to bless them. I want you to speak kindly of them. I want you to wish the best for them. I want you to hope that they'll come into a relationship with our Jesus. I, I, want, I want you to pour out kindness from your heart on people that are persecuting you. And, and the word persecute means those who are chasing you down to banish you from their community. So those who are doing all kinds of nasty things to you, hurting you. I want you to treat them in your heart, in your mind, in your emotions, in the center of your will. I want you to treat them well. I want you to begin to wish the best on them. Okay, a little bit impossible. Anybody with me? All right. Let's acknowledge that that's not something that I can do on my own. But by the power of God, there's something that can happen in me that can transform me. Uh, then he goes further and he says, it looks like a break in the text. Verse 15, he says, rejoice with those that rejoice and weep with those who weep. He's talking to people beyond his walls, beyond the walls of the church. We, we know that because the people in the church um, were not persecuting each other. The people in the church were rejoicing with each other and they were weeping with each other. I, I heard about three surgeries that went on this week and they all went well. And I was immediately rejoicing, going, yeah, with Ryan Roberts. He sent a note and said that, that the surgery was supposed to take several hours. And an hour in, that tumor on his pancreas popped out like a grape. And boom, gone. Yes, go. And I, Yeah, right? And I was rejoicing. But the good apostle is, is speaking not about the community of faith. He's speaking about the community of the world. And he says, I want you to forgive those who are chasing after you, persecuting you, wanting to banish you, wanting to treat you poorly. And I want you to get into their lives in such a way that you weep with them when they weep, when they've lost a child, when they've had a miscarriage, when something has gone wrong, when, when they've buried a loved one, when they've been taken advantage of by the Roman government, when something's happened, I want you to weep with them. And when they have a child and when there's a wedding and when there's an anniversary, I want you to know them so well that, that you, you rejoice with them. 
And so there's, a, a, there's this a way that we treat people in our world, in our lives. It's a whole way of thinking about those around us and how we love them. Here, here's a great question to pause in. Are there any folks that you work with that are not Jesus followers? And, and, and you, you know what their life is all about. When they come in and, and something's wrong, you say to them at the water cooler, you can fool other people, but you can't fool me. I know you, I love you, I care for you. What's wrong? It might be that they had a, a baby and they're the, you're the first one they call. And they invite you over to hold her in your arms because you've been with them all the way along and you've been loving them and caring for them and cheering them on and you rejoice with them. Here's, here's a, a challenge. I get it that we find Jesus and we become a part of a faith community and we have a lot in common with them and we begin to maybe isolate and insulate ourselves a little bit, but we're finding a call to integrate here. We're finding a call to love people. So would you be willing, if you can't think of anybody in your world that doesn't know Jesus that you've loved on or cared for or wept with, would you just begin to ask God, starting right now today, would you introduce me to some folks? Would you bump me into some people? They may have been there all the time, and I was the one who was blind to it. God, I want to get into their life. I want to love people. Because if people matter to you, they should be mattering to us, right? And so that one was free. <laughs> uh, he, he, he then goes further in the, the passage, and he says, I want you to live with, with people as best you can. I don't want you to treat people in a haughty way. I don't want you to have layers of, of society, like society out there. No, no political party in your heart and mind, no socioeconomic party, no, no they're rich, they're poor, those, they're that people, they're these people. We're all just people. We're all God's kids. And it doesn't matter how much they have or don't have I'm, I'm making a commitment to treat everybody the same and live at peace with everyone as much as I possibly can, no matter what. And when I see a distinction I've made that I didn't, didn't realize was there, I'm going to ask God's forgiveness and I'm going to remove it from my heart and my mind forever. Good stuff. Uh, he, he, he says um, in, in the, the later verses... He says, I want to remind you, never avenge yourself. Leave it to God. It, it, let God take care of the, the issue. In fact, he says, never avenge yourselves. Never harm somebody else. Never wish harm on somebody else because they've hurt you. Leave it to the wrath of God, which I believe is the natural consequence of when we do wrong. I think sin has its own payment on us. But, but he says... Uh, Vengeance is mine, I will repay, says the Lord. I'll make sure that the, the scales are balanced out, says the Lord. Why would it be that we would want to forgive other people? Let's look at a few reasons in Scripture before we ha tackle some of the more difficult stuff. Uh, he, first of all, uh, repaying evil for evil stops the cycle. It stops the mad cycle. It stops the hurt cycle. It stops the revenge cycle that we talked about earlier. Secondly, forgiveness reveals honor. When somebody treats us poorly, Jesus said, um, you know, if you treat your, you, the people that love you well, what is that? Everybody does that. But if you, he, 
He said, but if you treat somebody well that treats you poorly, yeah, it, it heaps burning coals upon their head. Um, that sounds pretty nasty, but what, it, what they would do in Egypt, they'd carry around a basket of coals, and it would represent that they had remorse. Um, they were repenting. They wanted reconciliation. Because in context, obviously, Paul's not wanting to burn people up. He's wanting to bring people along. He's not wanting to burn relational bridges. He's wanting to build relational bridges. And so uh, it's this, this thing of uh, revealing honor. Jesus was on the cross. Get this. He comes to forgive all of humanity. And the scripture writers say that when they attacked Jesus by pounding nails in his hand and, and whipping him, beyond recognition, by the way, when they do that, the words that they use after he's gone through all that is that they shot arrows at him. That's the original Greek. And when Jesus is confronted by all of that, what he says back is, Father, forgive them. They know not what they do. Forgiveness reveals honor. And when people see us treat others well who treat us poorly on the job or in the relationship circles that we're at, they stand up and take notice and they see the mercy of God in a pattern that makes them want to be attracted to who God is in their life. I got to tell you something. Here's another reason we should forgive other people. It's because God isn't fair. He's not fair. He's just but he's not fair. He doesn't give us near what we deserve. He's not fair. He's just. We deserve eternal separation from God. We who have, all of us, every one of us have sinned and gone our own way. Anybody disagree with me? I'd love to meet you who are sinless. I'd like a little dose of what you got. No, we, we're all sinners and we all have told lies, we've murdered someone in our heart, we've lusted with our, with our, our thinking. I mean, we've, we've done it all. Am I wrong? Come on, somebody tell me, right? No. God doesn't give us what is fair. I, you know, I think we categorize sin. Do you categorize sin? I categorize sin. That's a little sin, especially my sin gets right down here on the little scale, right? But, but there are certain sins that really get my goat. They really make me mad, right? And that person needs to burn in hell forever because they're terrible, right? No, that's not right. Sin is sin. Sin, if, if, it's, if, if we take the root of sin, the seed looks the same for every sin. Sin is rebellion against God, which leads to ruined relationships. And left unattended in the right environment, every sin will, will grow to the most Despicable, evil thing untouched by God's grace. So part of the problem might be that when, when I think about forgiving somebody else's sin, I, I really don't think I need to because my sin isn't quite as bad as your sin, right? But no, part of forgiveness is recognizing what God has done for me and in light of what God has done for me, how could I possibly not forgive everyone else for what they've done to me, which can't even begin to pale. It pales by comparison. Bless you. Uh, my forgiveness frees me. When we don't forgive people, it puts us in a, a prison of our own making. 
It's like Trevor said uh, last week when he was talking that, that uh, not forgiving is like uh, drinking poison and watching for the other person to die. It, it, just, it just ruins our life. It keeps us in bondage. Long after they've, other people have wronged us and forgotten about the event, we're still, still seething and angry and frustrated about it. Uh, I've had uh, a hard time forgiving people in my life at times. Anybody with me? Uh, I, I, I remember one person that came in years ago, decades ago. They're not a part of this church, but I was a pastor. They came in, and they said, you're confidential, right? Oh, yeah. I can count on the fact you're not going to share with anybody. True? Oh, absolutely. No, I really mean it. Nothing else? Okay, Yeah. And then they proceeded to tell me how there were these people in the church having affairs with each other and they were in leadership. And, and I said, now, um, you just dumped a whole lot on me. I mean, a lot of hard stuff. Uh, and then they left the church, by the way. And, and I said, could I just, could I take care of this? Would you give me permission to have a, a couple meetings with these people and talk? No. Uh, what? No, you just get a, you, you just deal with it. They just, oh, I was so angry. They just wanted to plant a seed of doubt and frustration and hurt about leaders I love because they had a burr in their hind end and they wanted to leave and make me mad and hurt me and they did. And I was supposed to do what with it? And I was supposed to forget. Ah. And here's the thing, long after they were gone, I was still mad. I was still seething inside. I was still frustrated. I've learned my lesson since. I know how to... It's not my first rodeo anymore. I, I know how to handle conversations and how I would handle it differently. But, oh, it was hard to forgive. I, I, uh, I, I had a, a person in the church just betray me one time. He just betrayed me, hurt me, said all kinds of nasty stuff about me. There's plenty of nasty stuff to say about me. Just ask my wife, but that wasn't true stuff, so it hurt worse. I think it's hardest to forgive the people who we love and are closest to us because we don't expect it from them, right? Anybody with me? Um, I, I remember when my mama passed away, the undertakers didn't know anybody was watching and they brought a plumbing van to take her body. It was like, I mean, it looked like a white plumbing van. Two in the morning and they put her body in a bag and they just tossed her in the back like so much garbage. Oh, you mess with anybody, but you don't mess with my mama. Anybody with me? Oh, that hurt. I wanted to call the mortuary. I wanted to put them in the grave instead of my mama. You know, I was dealing with a lot of emotion, so that made it even worse. Jesus told me to forgive them. They didn't even know what they were doing. They were tired at 2 in the morning. They got a call, and they just were doing business and it wasn't personal to them, but it was personal to me. And long after they did what they did, it was still hurting in my heart. I had to pray. And every time I saw this, I just uh, I asked the Lord, well, how do I fix this? He said, you put a good memory in. So what do you mean put a good memory in? Well, do you love your mama? Well, of course you know I love my mama. What's your favorite memory? Well, when I used to put my head against her in church, and she'd rub my earlobe. And I felt safe. Every time you think about that, 
You think about your mama. You think about her rubbing your earlobe, and it'll be okay. Guess what? I don't think about this anymore. I think about this. And I'm so thankful that God can replace bitterness and pain and frustration with my mama. You ever had anybody hurt somebody that's little that you love? I don't like people who hurt people that are little. Anybody with me? I think there's a special spot in hell for people who, I didn't mean that. I'm so sorry. I should not say things like that. They just come out of my mouth. I've had people hurt littles that I know. I, one time, I went jogging after I knew about an incident. Pastors sometimes get to know about things that they don't want to know about, and I was like, I was jogging, and I was kicking rocks. I'm serious. I was kicking rocks. I was so bad. And I didn't even feel the pain because the pain of the event was so big in my heart. And you know what? God said, you got to forgive. I said, I can't forgive. No, you got to forgive. I'm not going to forgive. you got to forgive. Why? Because I can't forgive you if you don't forgive them. What? Because you don't understand grace if you don't forgive other people. It means you don't understand what I did for you. And if you want to be forgiven, you got to forgive because that's how it works. I did so much for you. you got to do so much for them. And what I did for you is way bigger than what they did for you because there's a, there's a bridge in the shape of a cross and, and it is the chasm which can be built by the forgiveness that we have for one another and the grace that we have for one another. When you forgive one another, you understand me in a powerful way. I got to say a disclaimer. Some of you have been through things that I can't even begin to imagine. Some of you have been hurt so deeply, take advantage of so harshly, that I cannot stand here and say, I understand what you've been through. I can't. I can only emphasize and say, I know what I've been through, but I know what Jesus has been through. And the perfect one, the creator of the universe, the one who is the lover of our soul, he was spit on and he was beaten and he was abused by people that he loved dearly and he does understand what it means to forgive. And if we will forgive, it will take us out of the prison that we've been placing ourselves in of bitterness and resentment and hate that eats away at us. I, I had a guy one time sell me, a, I, I sold him a car and it was like 20 years ago, so I guess I'm over it now. And, and he says to me, oh, man, I don't have that last 200. I've told you this story. I don't have that last 200. Uh, could I pay you that tomorrow? Four days later, I call him up, give him a little time, living in the same town. Hey, uh, that 200 bucks you promised, would you pay it back? When, when can I expect it from you? Never crossed my mind that he wouldn't. And he said, I'm not paying you that. The car isn't worth it. I am not, you sue me if you want to. It'll take you more time and money and effort than it was ever worth. And I was so mad. And long after, long after the incident, I'm sure that he had blown it off and forgotten it and gone to his next event and cheated the next person, and I was still angry. Anybody with me? Because he intended to take me to the cleaners from the very start, and I was mad at myself because I was so gullible. And then I thought back later, 
the Lord does this. Where'd you get that car? Oh, some people gave it to me. What was the car worth? $3,000. So they, wait a minute, Tim, I gave you that car through some generous people, and it's worth how much? $3,000. Okay, $3,500. Who's counting? And how much did he owe you? Two hundred, Lord. But he took advantage. How about two hundred? Thirty-five hundred? Two hundred? And you're still holding that against them when I did that for you? You, okay, Lord, I forgive. You know, if if we continue to hold it against people when they cheat us, when they hurt us. We'll think about everybody that comes along just like that, and everybody's going to be a dirty, rotten so-and-so, and every business transaction is going to be like that, and we just live in a prison of he did that, and they did that, and everybody's going to do that. But if we live a lifestyle forgiveness, we don't have to live like that because nobody has something on our heart if we decide ahead of time that we're not going to take offense at what people do to us because God always did more for us. I'll tell you what forgiveness isn't. It's not forgetting. I don't know who, who uh, created that thing, forgive and forget. That's just ridiculous. Our minds have been created by a good God who has made memory in us to protect us and help us and make sure that when we touch the stove, we don't touch it twice. You know what I mean? And when we get burned by someone, we don't put ourselves in a vulnerable position. We don't allow ourselves to be abused or hurt or broken or be a doormat for people, but we decide as, an, as a movement of our intellect that I will not do God's job for him. The scripture, as Paul goes on, he says, by the way, don't revenge, don't take avenge, vengeance on yourself. The, the government authorities can do that. And he says, God can do that because that's God's job. So a decision to forgive is a decision not to do God's job for him because most things he's way better at than I am. Amen? And so it's a, a, a decision of the will to refuse to hold somebody captive. Paul the Apostle, when he was uh, in jail, ready to be executed, writing the book of 2 Timothy, he says to Timothy in chapter 4, verse 6, through verse 8, he says, the word of God is not bound. The word of God is not in chain. When he was in that Mamertine prison, the water level would come up and down, and the Romans knew that, so they would terrorize prisoners by putting them at the bottom of the prison, and they would drown there. And it was a slow and scary process. Paul baptized them. That's taking opportunity, isn't it? And he talked to him about Jesus. And later in his writings, he says, the whole house of Caesar is being influenced by the word of God. And when he was chained to a prisoner, now get this, the people who are going to execute him, he, he is chained to them. He is telling them about the story of Jesus and his, his forgiveness, his heart, his attitude because of what God did to him and the transformation in his life. His attitude is transforming people all around him and in Caesar's house in one life at a time. Roman culture has changed one life at a time. And in 300 years, just barely more than three lifetimes, these people who live differently than the world impact them so much that it turns them over so a whole culture is changed by the culture of the cross. Oh, may it be so among us. There's a, a gal who was treated very poorly 
by Coach Larry Nasser in the Olympics. And there were a lot of people testifying against him, but she chose a different testimony. And I've asked Carly to read this, this description that Carly found for me about forgiveness. Carly, would you come and read that? Rachel Den Hollander was one of 150 young women who uh, spoke in the courtroom um, and testified against Dr. Larry Nasser. And she looked right at him and she read this letter. She said, In our early hearings, you brought your Bible into the courtroom and you have spoken of praying for forgiveness. And so it is on that basis that I appeal to you today. If you have read the Bible you carry, you know the definition of sacrificial love and the portrayal of God himself loving so sacrificially that he gave up everything to pay a penalty for the sin he did not commit. By his grace, I too choose to love in this way. You spoke of praying for forgiveness, but Larry, if you have read the Bible that you carry, you know forgiveness does not come from doing good things, as if good deeds can erase what you have done. It comes from repentance, which requires facing and acknowledging the truth about what you have done in all of its utter depravity and horror without mitigation, without excuse, without acting as if good deeds can erase what you have seen in this courtroom today. The Bible you carry said it's better for a stone to be put around your neck and for you to be thrown into a lake than for you to make even one child stumble. And you have damaged hundreds. The Bible speaks of a final judgment where all of God's wrath and eternal terror is poured out on men like you. Should you ever reach the point of truly facing what you have done, the guilt will be so crushing. But that is what makes the gospel of Christ so sweet. Because it extends grace and hope and mercy where none should be found. And it will be there for you as well. I pray you experience the soul-crushing weight of guilt so that you may someday experience true repentance and true forgiveness from God, which you need far more than forgiveness from me, though I extend that to you today as well. What a powerful, powerful and beautiful demonstration of what Pastor Tim has shared with us today, that we're called to treat others better than they deserve because God has treated us better than we deserve.